Welcome to the Get Started with Film Photography podcast. My name is Graham Young, and this is a little episode about seeking advice of people who know more than you do in the field, and then ignoring that advice, especially when the advice comes when you haven't sought it out. Let's just say when you haven't sought it out. When you start out, it makes sense to seek the advice from people who are experienced in whatever field it is that you're exploring, in this case, photography. So it makes sense to go out and if you know somebody who's been working with film photography for a while, it makes sense to go out and and talk to them. Talk to that person and see what advice they might have for you. Now, that is very good in and of itself, but I'm going to give you a little bit of advice on what advice you actually pay attention to. So if you go out and seek someone's help, they can certainly be helpful with techniques, processes, philosophies of shooting, and philosophies of processing. And they can also give you a lot of encouragement to continue doing what you're doing right. But those people can also be a little bit hurtful. They can say things like, you're doing it wrong. You don't have a photographer's eye. Your subjects are stupid. Why are you taking a picture of that? You have the wrong camera, film, developer, lens, computer. You have the wrong something. And really, if they tell you you have the wrong piece of equipment or you're using the wrong film, the only thing that's wrong there is you have the wrong critic. So let's talk a little bit of what we can do about that. I'm a college professor by training and by employment and (laughs) by calling. Um, I teach graphic design and web design at a community college. And one of the things that I tell my students all the time is the first step in getting good at something is being horrible at it. When I teach graphic design, one of the things that my students have the most trouble with is a program called Adobe Illustrator, and specifically a tool in there called the Pen Tool. Now, if you know anything about Adobe Illustrator and the Pen Tool, you can understand why my students have difficulty, because we all had difficulty trying to figure that out when we were starting out. If you don't know about that, it is the program that's used for almost every logo. So it creates smooth curves and areas of solid color. And it, it, it uses this tool that is difficult to understand how to create curves properly. And it's a Bezier curve tool. Um, but it, that is not the, the most important thing. The most important thing is there is a very simple way to get better with that tool, and there's a very simple way to get better with photography, and that is to practice. So one of the things that I want to be very cautious that I remind everybody, don't take your first roll of film as the most important roll of film that you've that's ever been shot by humans. If you're, if it's a bad roll of film, you're going to quit. And if it's a great roll of film, you're destined for a Pulitzer in photojournalism. That's not what the situation is. If you got a bunch of good shots on your first roll, great, great, wonderful. If you got no good shots on your first roll, don't worry about it. 
will help you get better. And that takes practice. The first thing you have to do is practice. So take photographs, get them developed, look at them, do all that type of thing. The next thing is you have to be able to evaluate your own work. And we'll talk about evaluating work in in a minute right here. And then you need to repeat. So practice by taking the photos, evaluate those photos, and then do it again, and do it again, and do it again. And eventually you'll start to get what you want to get. I will tell you that unless you want to do aerial photography and you're afraid of heights, you'll be able to get the photo that you want with enough practice and evaluation. Just be okay with failing. That's one of the things that I want to be very clear. This is a fail-safe zone. And I mean that by it's safe to fail in this zone. And we'll help you get it right. One of the most important thing that... I want to emphasize to you is that your eye is the only eye you have to satisfy. You are the only one you have to satisfy with a photograph. Now, that's for the hobbyist. If you are a wedding photographer, you need to satisfy the bride and the mother of the bride and occasionally the groom and the family of the groom. But really, your client is the bride and the mother of the bride and you have to satisfy them. So, I don't have advice for you in that range. All the best luck to you uh, with that. So if that's your goal, there are certainly plenty of avenues to explore that. I'm not going to help you get there, but I encourage you to get there if that's what your goal is. So when you evaluate each photograph, you're going to evaluate on three axes. The technical, the composition, and the subject of each one of those photographs. So under technical, you're going to determine whether the exposure is correct, whether you hit focus. And what we mean by hitting focus is the subject that you want to be in focus is in focus and you've made sure that that is the subject of the photo by making sure that that's in focus. The lighting of the photo, and we will have a series of uh, podcasts coming up about the lighting of photographs. Those are the technical aspects. There are certain other things, you know, was there shake in the camera and you wanted it to be stock still? Or was it stock still and you want there to be motion of the camera when you take the photograph? And we'll talk about that a little bit later on in in shutter speeds and how to control shutter speeds. Composition is the second of the categories that we we evaluate. Composition is simply the position of elements in a frame. When you start out taking photographs, most people kind of gravitate towards putting the subject, say you're taking a picture of a tree, you put that tree right in the center of the frame. There are lots of situations when that is an appropriate position for that element within that frame. But there are other situations where you might want to put something at the edge, the right edge or the left edge, the top edge or the bottom edge. And what other elements are in a frame? I teach digital photography at my community college. And one of the things that I constantly have to remind students is before you take the picture, Look at everything that is in the frame. If there's a piece of trash over in the corner, 
there are going to be people who look at that photograph and the only thing that they can see is that piece of trash. Now, if what you're taking a picture of is that trash and how it interacts with a, an otherwise natural environment, great. Then keep that trash in that frame. But if what you want is the beauty of a flower, then move your camera or move in closer or move further out or move left and right to make sure the only thing that's in the frame is what you want is in the frame. And there are lots of times I look at something and I see, oh, that's great. And I go to take the picture and I can't frame it and eliminate other objects, objects that I don't want in the in the frame. So I have to move my camera. I have to Uh, Or sometimes I just don't take the picture. I was just on a vacation. We were in Charleston, South Carolina, and there were several pictures. We went to a Middleton Place plantation. It's in a state just outside of Charleston. And for those of you who are in the UK, it's very much like what we would uh, talk about a national trust estate, that type of thing. And if you're in other parts of the world, I'm sure there are big stately homes that you can go and visit and gardens and grounds that you can go and visit. Well, I was taking a lot of pictures. In fact, actually, I think I uh, I took about five rolls of film while I was there in two different cameras. While I was there, there were lots of pictures that I, you know, looked through the viewfinder and I just couldn't get the right scene. I I could get the subject and, you know, maybe the light was coming in from the wrong direction to get the subject. And if I went around the other side of the object, then the background was horrible. You know, it was that type of thing. A lot of pictures I saw that I didn't take because I couldn't get the composition right. So we'll talk about composition as we go through this. Uh, but that is a, a, a very important thing that you can evaluate everybody's photograph on. Now, the third thing, the subject matter. Now, this is the most difficult one for people to get around. Subject matter is completely subjective. That means that one person will look at that picture of a flower and go, oh, that is beautiful. That is wonderful. I want that on my wall. Somebody else will go, yeah, that's a picture of a flower. I don't want that on. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with pictures of flowers. Let me give you a really good example of what I bring to photographs when I view somebody else's photographs. Let's talk about cats and dogs. Okay, I have a dog. In fact, my dog is sitting on the couch right behind me. Her name's Trudy, and she's asleep. So if you hear a little bit of snoring, that's Trudy. Well, I love dogs. And I also, for a long period of time in my life, loved cats. I grew up with cats. Now, The problem is that I became allergic to cats right around the age of 20, 21, 22. And I had cats at the time, and that was a little bit awkward. So I see pictures of pets and dogs, puppies and kittens, and I don't see them the same. What I see is a dog is somebody I can interact with, and a cat is somebody who needs to be behind glass and away from me because I'm going to have trouble because of that animal. And that's my allergies. And so my allergies, I bring to that subject matter when I look at somebody else's photograph. Kittens are wonderful, but I don't have the same gut reaction for kittens that I have for puppies. 
we all bring those things to our, uh, when we view any photograph. I'm going to tell you a story. I uh, graduated with a bachelor's degree from the University of Minnesota, and I did a minor in art. I actually never quite got to the minor in art. I needed to take another art history class. And it was time for me to graduate, so I never took that class. So I minored in art, and my my major was in English. Um, and I minored in art mostly. You know, I'll, I'll, uh, I won't ever say that I actually have a minor in art, but I will tell you, I came really close. And it was in photography. And I took drawing classes, and I took, you know, uh, I took some art history classes, and I, I took studio art introduction and all, all that type of stuff. And later on, I, I went back and got a master's degree in graphic design. So I am very familiar with that field. One of the graduate students who was a teaching assistant in one of my first photography classes was a, he was a guy, he had an eight by 10 camera and he taught one of our classes and he taught about composition. And one of the things that he talked about was a conversation he had with his father. He had taken an eight by 10 camera out to a, one of those places where the road department piles gravel and sand and all that type of stuff. And he had taken pictures of the gravel and his dad had said, why do you want to take a picture of that? That's just, nobody wants to look at that. And, you know, we probably heard that about photographs. We like all of our lives. And you know what? If you haven't heard about it yet, you will hear about it. Somebody's going to bring something to that conversation and they're going to talk about the subject matter and you want them to see the technical and the composition and all that other stuff. And they're not going to see it because all they're going to see is that subject matter. And people who are not trained in looking at art, that's what they see. They see the subject matter. It's a clown. Who wants to see a picture of a clown? Well, if it's a beautifully rendered clown, I want to see a picture of a clown. If it is a clown that, that evokes something with the composition renders light well if uh, i i'll love you know that painting of a clown can be on on velvet and i will love it if it is done correctly now do i love clowns not really i'm not one of those people who hates clowns i'm not one of those people who loves clowns that's just a subject i want to see your rendering ability be really careful of people saying that they don't like your subject matter they don't like your your subject matter it doesn't matter how good the photograph is you're talking about the photograph they're talking about the subject matter. Ignore them. Have the conversation. Talk to them. And then ignore anything that they say. One of the most important things that I'm going to tell you guys, and and you can ignore, of course, only listen to people who critique followed by why and how. If someone doesn't like your photograph, but they can't tell you why, ignore that person. If someone doesn't like your the subject matter... And then the rest doesn't matter. Ignore them. If someone can, can tell you why they like a photo, why a photograph is to their liking, listen to them. If someone can tell you why a photograph is not to their liking, listen to them. If someone can tell you how to make that photograph better, listen. Now they may be right, but they may be wrong. So listen. And if you like what they say or it's intriguing of what they say, try it out. Try out what they suggest. 
the next time you're photographing that type of situation. If you don't like what the suggestion is, ignore it. Absolutely ignore it. Every photographer has his or her favorite equipment. He or she can tell you why it's better than what you have. He or she can tell you what it is that makes her camera or his cam or his flash or or his lens better than your lens. They can tell you why that is. Eh, they're not right. He or she can tell you what to get and where to buy it. And if they want to sell it to you, <laughs> be wary. Uh, they may just be doing a sales job. But ignore that person and get what you want. One of the podcasts I listen to a lot is called the Classic Lenses Podcast. And the Classic Lenses Podcast is run by three gentlemen who really know a lot about camera lenses. And they talk about using classic lenses on digital cameras and using classic lenses on film cameras. They've got a, a, an incredible base of knowledge about what lens is good for this situation, what lens is good for that situation. And one of their mottos is, if you take a 50 millimeter lens, which is the standard lens, a 50 millimeter SLR lens, and you stop it down to F8, every lens is exactly the same. No lens performs better than another lens at F8. They all are exceptionally good, and there's no reason to choose an expensive lens over a cheap lens if you're going to shoot it at F8. So uh, keep that in mind. And we'll talk about what shooting an F8 is in a future episode, in one of the other episodes that we have. We're going to take a little break right now, and we'll be right back. One of the key concepts I'm trying to get across is that you are the only arbiter of your photographs. And an arbiter is the person who settles a dispute or has the ultimate authority in a manner, in a matter, excuse me. And I want to emphasize you are the only arbiter of your photos. If you like it, it is a good photo. If you don't like it, it's not a good photo. It may be, you know, if you show it to somebody else and they like that photograph, it's a good photo to them. But if you don't like it, you don't have to worry about it. You're the only one who decides. Ignore the number of likes you get on Flickr, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or any other photo sharing or any sort of social media. Ignore the number of likes. Now, I put up a photograph on Flickr. Uh, this is now probably two and a half years ago. And it was a photograph of a piece of driftwood on a beach. I put it up there because I thought it was a decent photograph. Well, it is to date my most liked photo on Flickr. And it was good enough that 90,000 people 
looked at it. I don't remember right now, I'd have to look it up, how many people clicked the like, but it was in the thousands. Let's say it was in the thousands of people who clicked that little like button. Now, that photograph, to me, is a little bit too stark. I think it's a little bit too grainy. I think it was a little bit underexposed. And so it has grain in places it shouldn't have. And I'm okay with it. Uh, I don't think it's a particularly compelling composition. But you know what? <laughs> Apparently it's a good photograph to 90,000 people who looked at it. Now, I'm happy that 90,000 people looked at that photograph. But I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm never going to go out and print it and put it on my wall. You know, I might print it for other people to put on their walls because apparently a lot of people like it. But I, yeah, it just doesn't do it for me. And you know what? I don't consider that one of my better photographs. So even though the audience seemed to like it, I didn't. And I'm the arbiter of my photography, and what that means is uh, it's not that great of a photograph. So one of the things I do want to emphasize is if you do want to sell your photography, you know, you want to be that wedding photographer, you want to be hired for portrait photography, then, you know, do listen to these people. Get a bunch of opinions on your photographs and then aggregate the results. Figure out what it is that most people like and go out and take those photographs. As I said a little bit earlier in the podcast, I just was on vacation in Charleston, South Carolina. And in Charleston, right in the downtown area, there is an open air market and that open air market is, has a lot of photographers in it. Probably, uh, when I went through, uh, there were probably five or six photographers. Their photography is of a sort that I don't particularly like. Now, I am not going to say it was good. I'm not going to say it was bad. I didn't really even stop to look at it because it is not the photography that I like. It is, generally well oversaturated and it, it now once again these are my opinions if you like oversaturated photographs oversaturate your photographs and in fact if i say it's oversaturated you probably will say it's undersaturated or saturated properly and what i mean by saturated is the colors are very very vibrant better than what you see with your eye they're often HDR photographs, which uh, is high dynamic range photographs. And that's an electronic system where you take three photographs, one to expose the shadow area, one to expose the scene overall, and one to expose for the highlight areas. And when you combine them all, you get a photograph that you can't actually even see with your own eye. You get the light areas and the dark areas have very little contrast with each other, but you can see them all together, which is not a natural lighting situation, but it's a, a look a lot of people like. These are photographs that are sold in this market because they're photographs that do sell in that market. I don't doubt that these photographers can produce photographs that would be of the type that I like. And that's perfectly fine, but they're just not showing them in, in this market because they're not the ones that sell. So if you do want to sell your photographs, 
then really pay attention to what other people say, even about subject matter. Pay attention to my advice to pay attention to whatever advice you want to pay attention to. And if anybody, this is the overall thing. Let me, this is the takeaway from this. Nobody should make you feel bad about a photograph you like. If you like that photograph, go on liking that photograph. And if somebody says, why would you take pictures of that? They just don't get it. And they, you just ignore them. If you love a photograph, chances are other people will. And it's a good photograph to you. If you want to learn film photography as a hobby, follow me. Uh, I'll help you get to where you want to be. Even if you shoot stuff that I don't like and I shoot stuff that you don't like. I will help you out. That's what this podcast is all about. If you have any questions about anything that I covered in this podcast or any of the other podcasts, submit a question to the once monthly podcast of questions and answers. If you have a question, go to the website getstartedwithfilm.com and fill out the form. Or you can send me an email directly, graham at getstartedwithfilm.com. And I just want to make sure you spell my name correctly. It's G-R-A-H-A-M at getstartedwithfilm.com and put the subject of the question in the subject line, you know, choosing lenses, composition, whatever your question is. So I will know how to organize each one of the questions. We got our music for this episode and all of our episodes from filmmusic.io. This track is called Poofy Reel by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com. Thank you, Kevin. It is licensed through Creative Commons.